is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Easy, big guy. Hold on. They're approximately 50 feet tall, wearing their birthday suits. God, look at the size of him. You talking about... You talking about... I'm in my birthday suit. Jesse, are you in your birthday suit? Yes, I am. There you go. We're back, everybody. I know what, I know what you were. All, all of our fans were thinking. Trey moved again, and the last time that happened, we didn't get an episode for a year. Ha! Proved you wrong. <laughs> back. Yes. We, like King Kong, live and are live here. At, welcome back, everybody, to a you know a two week delayed episode of Age Visited. But again, you know, had to move, had to get all that kind of settled, and with the little one on it, you know. So I apologize. All my fault. Having to move again, you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. But we're back. Sequelitis, you know, I had to move through this chronic condition I have of sequelitis, you know, so it made it even mm-hmm. more difficult having to haul all my stuff two states over and unload it all. So, you know what? You gotta give me a break. Okay, just give me a break. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the king. King Kong lives December 19th, 1986. IMDb, whoo, wow. Big hit here, 3.9. Mm. It's a big hit if you looked at it in a mirror when it'd be a 9.3. But no, it's 3.9 on IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes, listen to this, Jesse, and everybody else. 0% critics, 17% audience. And I checked. It is Garbage Pail Kids with 0% critics, but I was 27% audience. This very well might be, Rotten Tomatoes-wise, the worst movie, the worst rated movie we have ever ever done in the history of age visited 250 plus episodes somewhere around there and this might be again run tomatoes wise the lowest reviewed movie uh we've ever done and what do i think what do we think well stick around 10 million dollar estimated budget it does not show when you watch it by the way it opened however at 1.1 jesse guess what number this was the week it's opening weekend december 19th take yourself back Christmas time, 1986. It's Friday night. King Kong Lives has come out. What number do you think it opened at the box office? I mean, it's King Kong. It's a popular character. Uh, people are going to the movies on Christmas time. I mean, it had to be number one. You're right. It was number one, two, number 12. Oh. This opened at number 12. Now, in its defense, the one thing I can say, it was a stacked weekend at the box office. Number one was The Golden Child, covered on the podcast, Eddie Murphy. Number two was Star Trek IV, which many people consider the best Star Trek movie, not me. Uh, Number three, appropriately, was The Three Amigos, one of the greatest comedies of all time. And number four was Little Shop of Horrors. All of those have been covered on the podcast except Star Trek IV. So maybe we'll have to do a Star Trek month, month and catch up on those after we finally get to Mr. Bond. So, yeah. Heavily stacked weekend, however, that's the least of this movie's worries, as we'll get into as we talk more about it. It would go on to domestically gross 4.7. However, worldwide, it would do 10 times that much, and worldwide come in at $48.9 million. However, still considered a flop. Uh, and, you know, strangely enough, we're back in a cold slash proxy war with Russia right now at the time of this recording. Hmm. And it was Russia who made this movie a worldwide success, basically. Russia saved King Kong Lives. Hmm. More on that uh, at the end of the, and the trivia and everything. So uh, no info on, rent- on rentals, but that's how I saw it. I remember 
waiting, seeing the poster at the video store. King Kong lives. Oh my God, a king, another King Kong. Awesome. Eh, I, this is the first time I've seen it since renting it when it came out in 86. So, uh, yeah, but anyway, let's get on to the who, what, who, who of the, the five W's here, or four W's and an H, whatever it is. Who, what, who, what, when, where, how. Yeah, four W's <laughs> and how. So I think that's it, whatever it is. I'm confused. <laughs> anyway, directed by John Gillerman. He did the 86 Kong reboot or remake. He also did the Towering Inferno and the original 1978 version of Death on the Nile, which, of course, of course, uh, of course, that movie, uh, the Kenneth Branagh remake of that movie slash sequel to uh, Murder on the Orient Express came out recently. I haven't seen it yet, but it's got Wonder Woman in it and uh, a lot of uh, great actors in that as well. Written by Ronald Shusett. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. But he also wrote Alien, Aliens, Total Recall, and the Emilio Estevez Mick Jagger epic, quote unquote, Free Jack from the 90s. Uh, also, he had a co-writer on this, uh, Stephen Pressfield. He also wrote Above the Law and also worked with uh, Shusset on Free Jack. But Stephen Pressfield, I know that name because he's actually a novelist. And I've only read one of his books. But the book of his that I've read is Gates of Fire, which uh, it came out before the movie 300. But I believe after Frank Miller's graphic novel, but nevertheless, it's about Thermopylae and all that that battle and everything. Really good book if you're interested in the subject. Again, you know, it takes the fiction, but it you know, it takes the nonfiction, but adds that fictional blend of it, uh, much like Frank Miller did. But you know, it has some some truth in it too. Uh, and he also wrote the novel Legend of Bagger Vance, which of course became a movie starring everybody's favorite Fresh Prince, Will Smith. Uh, cinematography for this film was by Alec Mills. He was uncredited as a cinematographer on Return of the Jedi. Uh, also, Hot Target, not the superior Hard Target. Uh, <laughs> but he also would do not one, but two Bond films of the 80s, Living Daylights and, well, I think License to Kill might have been 89, maybe. Maybe it was either 80s or late 90s, I don't remember. Uh, Living Daylights and License to Kill. So he was a cinematographer on both of the Timothy Dalton James Bonds. And starring the lovely and always awesome and talented to see and veteran of the podcast, Linda Hamilton is Amy. Amy, good gorilla. I'm going to reference. My wife loves that movie. I hate that movie so much. Uh, but yeah, she's Amy in this. She, of course, Terminator 1, Terminator 2, uh, unfortunately, Terminator Genesis, uh, Beauty and the Beast, a TV show, Dante Speak with Speaking of Bond, Pierce Brosnan, and of course, veteran of the podcast, Terminator, as mentioned before, and also Children of the Corn, the first one. Uh, I don't know if she ever did any of the other ones. I'm pretty sure she didn't. And uh, speaking of veterans of the podcast, as mentioned last episode, John Ashton as Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Nevitt. Of course, Beverly Hills Cop 2 last episode. Uh, he did Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2, and 3, Midnight Run, uh, Gone Baby Gone. Uh, Brian Kerwin was Hank. He's supposed to be this film's kind of heartthrobby guy. No, uh, but he was in Jack with Robin Williams, 20... 20- Seven dresses with uh, uh, speaking of Ben Affleck, uh, uh, Jennifer Garner, his one of his one of his wives, I don't know, his first, second, whatever it was. And he had nine years on the soap opera One Life to Live. So that pretty much tells you everything you need to know <laughs> about his acting and style. Uh, Peter Michael Goetz or Goetz was Dr. Ingersoll. He was in Jumpin' Jack Flash in the 80s with Whoopi, uh, Glory with Denzel and uh, Morgan Freeman, My Girl. His glasses. He needs his glasses. I hate that movie too. Uh, and he also was twin Twin Peaks on a couple episodes. So I always like to bring that up in the case. And Mike Starr, who we just talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, literally two, three weeks ago, I believe, when we talked about the Last Dragon, 
Uh, he was cell guard number two. He's dumb and dumber. The guy, he's a guy that needs his heart medication uh, in Dumb and Dumber. But character actor, been in a ton of stuff. And speaking of character actors, Leon Rippey. Great name, by the way. He was a hunter, one of the hunters in this movie. He was in Stargate, The Patriot, my favorite film with uh, David Arquette that's not called Scream, Eight-Legged Freaks, and a veteran of the podcast because he was also – he was in other movies we've done, but mainly Maximum Overdrive. Uh, mentioned Emilio earlier, too, when talking about uh, – Oh, what were we talking about? Uh, I don't remember now. Hmm. Free Jack. Free Jack with, uh, yeah, uh, way earlier. The podcast was <laughs> in five minutes ago, Trey. Uh, I'm old, people. That's why, we're t- that's why, that's why it's 80s revisited. <laughs> I'm, butcher- I'm over 40. I'm, I'm, I'm midway to 45. Uh, Peter Elliott was the titular king or titular, however you want to pronounce it, King Kong. Actually, I got a better joke. I should have done this. Peter Elliott is the titular King Kong. He also... He made a career of playing like animals. He was monkeys in Greystoke, monkeys in Gorilla in the Mist, monkeys in the again previously mentioned Congo. Uh, he was also uh, played a variety of animals in the Mighty Boosh series. So if you like UK sitcoms, check out the Mighty Boosh. It's absolutely hilarious. But they're in a zoo in the first couple seasons, and uh, he plays a lot of the, the he plays a lot of the animals in that. But he was also one of the intensely terrifying wheelers. In Return to Oz. So that does make him a veteran of the podcast as well. And in the titular, this is where I was going, the titular role of Lady Kong, see what I did there? George mm-hmm. Antoni, uh, he was also, he was one of the vampires, an interview with the vampire. He was also, but he did play a monkey too, another monkey in Greystoke along with uh, Peter Elliott. And he also was in Elizabeth, which was the star making role for the lovely and talented Kate Blanchett. So there you go. There's the, there's the who. Now let's talk about the what the hell is this movie? Because <laughs> mm. uh, in the well, what, first things first, you know King Kong. Oh, I'm a Godzilla fan. King Kong can never beat Godzilla. I've talked about that many times on the podcast. Bottom line, period. What is a king to a god? I love that saying because it fits perfectly. Because you got King Kong, Godzilla. Anyway, you know I do like King Kong. I, I like the original 1930, sometime in the 30s. I don't. Uh, I can't remember if it's like 39 or a little earlier than that. Uh, you know, it was a stop motion huge innovation in cinema when that movie came out. The original King Kong was huge. Uh, no, no joke intended to the size of the, <laughs> the monkey in the movie. Uh, you know, so it was, and it was innovative. It was innovative and an important touchstone in cinema history. 70, I think it was 76, or 76, I think it was, yeah, 76 was the remake with uh, the prequel to this, so to speak, because this is a sequel to the King Kong from 76 with Jeff Bridges and uh, Jessica Lange. And that one was a lot of rear projection of, you know, the guy, the, the man in the monkey suit walking. And then, you know, that's projected on the screen behind the live action actors, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it, another, a, a, the 80s, 70s and 80s style of filmmaking, so to speak, as a, a practical effects. Uh, the original one was obviously practical too, but in a different regard, if you can understand what I'm, what I'm getting at here. And then we had Peter Jackson's, whatever the year, the Xbox 360 came out, because that was a launch title for 360. I always remember that. Uh, you know, it was, it was a CG Kong, which is what we have today. See, this is a franchise that you can literally look at the evolution of uh, motion picture effects through its its history. Godzilla, in a way, too. I mean, it's always been a guy in a suit or CG, but you know, this one you had stop motion, guy in a suit, and then CG. So you really get to see three different time periods of you know practical, and then eventually, obviously, computer generated imagery. Uh, so it's a really interesting franchise in that regard. That being said, this is quite possibly the worst entry in any 
of the French, any of the giant kaiju franchises. This is worse than any Godzilla movie. This is worse than even King Kong versus Godzilla, as hilarious as that is. I could watch that twice before I watch this again. This movie is garbage. It should be called King Kong Dead because it uh, it's, you know, it, it that's why you never saw another, you know, Godzilla has what 27, 28, almost 30 movies. How many does King Kong have? 1930s one. I think there was a sequel actually to that one. I'm not 100% sure. Uh 78, sorry, 76, this one Peter Jackson's Skull Island and then you could even give him Godzilla versus Kong. So he's only had about 7 7 movies, you know, that were actually like we could say in the six or seven, I should say, in the Kong franchise, so to speak. You know, so Godzilla's got him beat. Because again, what is a king to a god? Uh, but it's easy to see why after the 76 one, it's not bad. It's a modern remake. You know, he climbs the Trade Center, the World Trade Center. So it's, you know, especially now, post 2001, mm-hmm. it's interesting that that's the case. Uh you know, but in the original, he climbed the Empire State Building. Uh, and then in Peter Jackson's, I think he went back to the Empire State Building. I haven't seen it in forever, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the 76 one, it's a good remake. It's, it, bring, it, it updates it to modern times. You have better effects, even though it's just a guy in a suit and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's still fine. But, you know, he gets shot up by gunships, falls off the World Trade Center, and dies. <laughs> and then in this one, oh, he's fine. It's just his heart. It's not his back, his spine, his ribs, mm-hmm. every bone in his body, his skull, his brain. It's his heart. Because what do they, you know, what's the famous line from the original that was reproduced in, in Peter Jackson's? No, it was beauty that killed the beast. Uh, so it's, the, it's an issue of the heart, not your skull when you fall off of a skyscraper. So they're already stretching as to how he's still alive. They have to do a, a heart transfusion, but they don't, the blood's not taking. But thankfully, just in the nick of time, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Brian Kerwin's character, Hank, you know, a wannabe daytime soap opera for Indiana Jones. They find a female gorilla. What a coincidence. So, and then he sells it off to the lab that wants to use it to uh, you know, help you know, let Kong survive. And then we get a dramatic retelling, a modern interpretation of the Trojan War as it's all over a woman. It's all about a woman. Kong suddenly just feels like, yay, there's a female nearby. Which, of course, animals can smell stuff and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so then Kong breaks out and goes after the woman. They go on the run. You know, then it's a, you know, a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing there. Oh, and guess what? Guess what? The, one, the female is pregnant. Yes, there's a touching. They don't, I mean, they don't have a coitus scene in this movie, but <laughs> it happens. They lead up to it and they just don't show anything. They leave it up to the imagination pretty much. But yeah, so and then uh, so then now she's pregnant. And then at the end, Kong again, this time gets shot up, not by a helicopter gunship, but tanks, small arms fire, machine guns, machine guns on tanks. It gets every move. Both of these movies end with him getting riddled with bullets <laughs> that would put uh, Clyde from uh, Bonnie and Clyde and then uh, Sonny from The Godfather to shame. I mean, I mean, blown up. I mean, like RoboCop style. I mean, like every, you know, I mean, you, you see squibs going all over the place. There's no way he would live after the first one or this one. Uh, spoiler alert, he dies at the end of this one. So that was also a reason there wasn't a third one, although it, they should have gone like fully cybernetic and cyborg Kong. Mm. That would have been great. I would have paid a ticket for that. I still would want to see that, you know. Elon Musk, like I tell you, hey, me and Jess. You have great ideas for resurrecting franchises. <laughs> Just give us money to make these amazingly stupid but awesome movies. Anyway, so yeah, this movie sucks. If you haven't seen it, 
don't watch it. If you want to be a completionist, absolutely watch it. But I got a couple of things I want to mention just that are just so funny. Like every time Kong interacts with people, it's obviously a green screen. I mean, a rear projection. And then the the one prop they have is either a, a giant fake foot or a giant fake hand. So you know, it's that typical trick of you know they show the the, the rear projection and then also then they cut to the the other view and the hand comes in view. You know, the giant hand stuff sometimes it's incorporated well. It's you know they did what they could do. Don't get me wrong, but it's still they didn't. You know, Star Wars. You know, this is post Star Wars, so it really should look really good. You know, yeah. Uh, just like you know, Star Wars kind of set the bar with visual effects, and then you know, Jurassic Park still to this day is still a touchstone of effects. The OG Jurassic Park, of course. Uh, so you know, some of the stuff, the practical stuff, does look good in this movie, but then the practical again, the practical rear projection is bad. You know, it's like a you know, Aliens, one of the greatest movies ever made. But the scene where the, uh, I forget, the drop ship crashes, that's the one effect in that movie that it's just like, it's it's such a perfect movie effects-wise. And that one shot where the ju- drop ship's crashing and rolling towards them, they jump behind the rock, is so badly, it's rear projection, but it's so, it just doesn't have that level of polish or the lighting isn't done. They could have, you know, fixed it in post to make it look a little more, the background matching the foreground kind of thing. Every rear projection shot in this movie is like that. It's just bad. Uh, actually, the one we're watching is actually pretty good right there, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, it, let, me, let me take a step back, actually. It's the nighttime stuff. And it was a nighttime scene in Alien. So maybe, you know, me not not being in that industry, maybe nighttime rear projection is the hard thing to do because the second half of this movie is all at night when Kong's running around and it's, it's bad. Uh, but one of the funniest things, it, it, this just blew my mind how stupid this was. When uh, Kong is first kind of escape, or he's coming for the female, he escapes his enclosure and he's going to the other enclosure where the female is. They are indoors in this huge building where the female monkey is. Uh, and when Kong starts coming in, all of a sudden, there's all these cars in the building that are crashing indoors. There's like five car crashes that happen inside this. But you have to see it. it it's hard to explain, but believe me, when you're watching it, it it's the dumbest thing. Uh, is it worth watching the movie for? No. But it just struck me as like, why are all these cars in this building? <laughs> it's really stupid. You got to see it. You don't have to see it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> when you, if, you, if you decide to watch it and get to that part, you'll just be like, wow, he was not exaggerating at all. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, Jesse, mm-hmm. did you happen to waste your life watching this movie previously? I mean, it's here on YouTube. I could do it later, but I don't plan to. <laughs> don't. And I didn't do it before. Just go to the car crash scene. Just just watch the car scene and just know that this is in, in, inside a medical facility. There's all of a sudden 50 cars. And they're crashing. Mm. It's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, uh, like I said, I've, I, I haven't seen this movie since 87, 88, whenever it came to VHS. And the only thing I remember was the giant mechanical heart. That's all I remembered about this. So I was kind of excited just to watch it again because I only seen it once and I remember not liking it as a kid, but you know, there's a lot of movies you don't like as a kid that when you watch it as an adult, you have a different appreciation for. This is not one of those movies, <laughs> but if you like it, Hey, that's your opinion. You're entitled to it and you're correct. Uh, but it's badly acted, even though you got some good talent with Hamilton and Ashton in it. Uh, the script is, it's a TV movie, honestly, you know, this is not something that ever should have been released at a theater. This is, it's, it's just silly. It's dumb. There are many more better ways to make a sequel to King Kong, uh, even though, you know, with him being dead at the end of it. I mean, come on, people. Mm. There really shouldn't even be any sequels to King Kong because he dies at the end of everyone. Uh, 
So uh, there's that. <laughs> Except again, the cyborg version. We need Cy Kong. Cy or Kong Borg, King Borg, however you want to work that title and make it catchy. We'll have to workshop it a little bit. Right. But yeah, that's my opinion. Didn't like it as a kid. Didn't like it as an adult. Although, you know, it was more enjoyable as an adult because for the sheer reason of how bad it is. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's so, you know, the effects are so hit and miss. It is entertaining in that regard. So there is some, if you like bad movies, which we all do, we all like some bad movies. If you want to like, you know, get some beers or whatever, you know, you like to do when you watch something terrible and watch it. This is a good movie for that. You know, I'd love to see Rift Tracks or something do it. Uh, it's, it's they probably already did it because they have tons of them on their website that you can just go download. Uh, but it's bad, 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 bad. This is one of those like uh, how, that other po- you know plug another podcast that makes way more money than we do that can make a living off of it, but we we don't. Uh, how did this get made? Like this is something that mm. is really like like why did they do this? Like well I know why because the seventy six Kong was a success, but this is so this is typical of Dino De Laurentiis productions in terms of sequels because. Once he got a hold of Halloween, downhill. Uh, well, four wasn't bad, but then he got five. Six, I think, aged much better. And then you got, uh, which have H2O, and then I don't know if the, the, the Laurentis still did, uh, what was it, Resurrection, which is obviously the worst one. I don't know. Anyway, that's a different subject. But, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, then, do you know De Laurentiis Studios and sequels pretty much, except Conan the Destroyer. I'm partial to Conan the Destroyer over Barbarian simply because that's the one I've seen more. And I think we did cover both of those on the podcast. So go check out our thoughts of those from like 10 years ago, whenever we were, whenever we did those. But uh, anyway, some trivia about this disaster piece, as I guess you could probably pass it off as. Uh, as I mentioned before, the it's the Russians. The reason this movie made 10 times what it did globally than what it did domestically is all because of the Ruskies, who are mm. again, their enemies again. <laughs> were they ever not our enemies? I don't know. Maybe at some brief point, but apparently they're the world's enemies again. So we, we got an enemy again, everybody. The 80s are back. <laughs> Just not the way we wanted. You know, we got a pandemic, uh, you know, a disease running rampant like we had in the 80s with AIDS, which is, you know, it's, un- it's still out there. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? And now, we, yeah. and now the Russians are the bad guys again. We're going back, baby. It's huh. 80s again. We're relevant. We're woke <laughs> and relevant, Jesse. We did it. We've achieved Yay. so much these past couple weeks. <laughs> exactly exactly but uh it was a success in the soviet union where it sold 53.6 million tickets in 88 and it was one of the top grossing foreign films of the year and one of the top 15 which when they give that number it was probably number 14 15 highest grossing foreign films of all time that's right does that record hold today absolutely not, but at the time, it was one of the highest grossing foreign films of all time. At, a, at an average uh, uh, 80 Soviet ticket price of 0.5, I have no idea. It's a ruble, I think, but it's spelled P-Y-O on uh, Wikipedia. I don't know. I think it's a ruble, ruble, however you pronounce it. I'm sorry to our, our Russian citizens who are you know, dismayed by their government's horrible treatment of people. Uh, the film's ticket sales are equivalent to an estimated revenue of approximately $26.8 million today. 40, or I'm sorry, 26.8 million then, 44.2 million today. Uh, Peter Michael Goetz's check for post relief royalties came to three cents. That's how much he got mm-hmm. from the royalties on this film. And he has it hanging in his uh, house with a poster of the film, having never cashed it. Uh, in his book, The War of Art Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles, writer Stephen Pressfield, because as I mentioned before, he's mainly a novelist. 
he mentions that this movie was a life changing event for him. It, it was a, he, his words were a validating failure. It was his first professional writing job after 17 years of trying. And after the movie bombed, he realized he'd become a professional. He hadn't yet had a success, but he had a quote, a real failure, which is obviously a hallmark of being successful of the failures as well. Uh, and that, that, and you know, we talk about what if we always like to mention that Peter Weller was offered a part, but he, he turned it down to play RoboCop. So mm. what a mistake. Good choice, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure some people believe it's a, a mistake, a mistake. Now, now had he been like the Hank character, it would have made this movie better. Absolutely. One of the biggest, in addition to the script and all that kind of stuff, the main character is just so, again, he's spent nine years on a soap opera. Soap opera. It's, it's, you don't care about him. He's, you know, is he a terrible actor? For a movie, yes. But for TV, perfect television act style actor. Uh, let me rephrase that. 80s and 90s style television actor. Because, <laughs> you know, obviously TV's huge now. I mean, where's, uh, uh, what's her name from Hereditary and Muriel's Wedding? Sixth Sense. Oh, my God. I can see her face. Can't think of her name. But she, she, is, she, she does a movie every now and then. But now she's in like 50 Netflix shows. I <laughs> uh, can't think of her damn name. I, can't, I can see her face. Anyway, I'll think of it tomorrow and there let you know go. next week. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. I keep like about to remember it and it just goes out of my brain because I'm an old man. What but movies? anyway, uh, Hereditary, Muriel's Wedding, uh, Knives Out, Sixth Sense. Uh, oh, my God. Like, Tony Collette. Um, th- yeah, Tony Collette. Yes, yeah. thank you. I kept see- thinking a C word, but I couldn't, I couldn't place it. Tony Collette. You know, she's amazing actress, but like she's in like so much Netflix stuff now as opposed to like – movies you know because tv is big now you know i mean is it really tv or is it just another medium for art i mean you know it it's not necessarily and i don't know what you call it you know how you want to do it but you know this peter weller bottom line is peter weller would have made this movie better however exactly i mean netflix making billions and billions get your piece of that pie i would do it too absolutely uh netflix you know like most streaming services it's got hit or misses but it's got some good hits uh, speaking of which, be sure to watch Smash, Saturday morning all-star hits. Highly recommended if I haven't done it already on the podcast uh, while we're talking about Netflix. Uh, but yeah, thank goodness Peter Weller did RoboCop <laughs> over this. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know that was like that was like a divergent in the multiverse. You know, the, the, if, if Peter Weller chose to do this, the TVA would appear like in Loki and be like, we got to correct this. No, you, 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 have, you have to do RoboCop, Mr. Weller. <laughs> You cannot do King Kong lives, but I, but I love King Kong. I, since I was a boy, I was my friend. No, no, no! You have to do RoboCop. Do RoboCop, Peter. It's a uh, name. Anyway. It's going to be successful. <laughs> it's it's King Kong. It's RoboCop. I don't get it. It's, it's a robot cop. Come on, this is King Kong. <laughs> oh God! I, that, and it's a valid argument at the time. Let's be honest. <laughs> a proven IP versus a, a completely uh, unknown. But I mean, in the 80s was a time for that. I mean, there's always times for that. But I mean, you had a lot of, you know, new IPs coming out in the 80s that are obviously being remade, have been remade, and are still being remade and sequeled and all that stuff. But anyway, this film is listed among the 100 most enjoyable bad movies ever made in the Golden Raspberry Award book, the official Razzie movie guide. Uh, there's a scene when people are celebrating the success of Kong's heart tr- operation, which we're actually watching now on YouTube. Uh, a person is carrying a sign like they're at a wrestling event that says, You Kong, me Faye, which is obviously a reference to Faye Ray, the actress from the original King Kong. Oh, 33. I, I said my guess was 39, but it was 33. Early 30s. 
and this this is funny, but I say funny, but it's 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 more sad, I guess. Linda Hamilton accepted her role in the film because the previous film had really skyrocketed the career of Jessica Lange back then. Of course, she kind of skyrocketed and then went down, and the American Horror Story brought her back to the forefront again, uh, and Big Fish to me at least uh, before all that. But uh, during filming, she had no idea what the end product would look like, obviously, because you're acting against blue screens and giant A-pans. <laughs> and she was absolutely horrified when she saw the final film, which was universally universally blasted by reviewers and audiences alike. But hey, just got to wait a couple years, Linda. This was 80, what I say, 86, because uh, T2's coming out in the early 90s, and you're fine. You're fine. You're back, baby. No worries. Mm. Uh, the director uh, was actually grief-stricken during production due to the death of his son, Michael, during the making of his previous film, Sheena, in 84. He would frequently disappear halfway through a day's filming to go sailing. Uh, big arguments with the staff, uh, say the staff, uh, production crew and uh, actors and everything. He had a notorious rep- reputation for being argumentative anyway, but he would disappear for days. And it was actually uh, an uncredited uh, Charles McCracken who uh, a 21-year-old documentary filmmaker who finished the film. So this film was troubled from the start. That's a very good freeze frame you got there, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with the, with the, the little, top of the, with the, uh, of the General Lee waving proudly there. <laughs> little boy with his yeah, well, little wait, rebel wait, wait, flag. Hold on. No, dude, look. That's a black kid. Yeah. Little black boy <laughs> with a rebel flag. There is a child waving. There's an uh, there's an African American child waving a rebel flag in this movie. Yep, he gets right what? in front too. Yeah, Bla- Oh, how, wow! I didn't even notice that watching because I wasn't paying attention because the movie's terrible. But if right. you need another reason why this movie's terrible, there you go. <laughs> now I have to say, you know, when I was this age, I didn't know what that flag meant. It was on top of the General Lee in the Dukes of Hazard, and I just mm-hmm. thought, oh, I don't know what that is. I guess that's the symbol of the general Lee, which it kind of is, you know, as a kid, I didn't know what that meant of us as a six year old. So, but somebody gave that, that flag to that kid and said, this is your prop to wave. And that person is a racist. And so, I want you to be right in front. <laughs> yeah. Wave it and smile big. Wow. All right. So that's, prob- is- that would oh, be the well, actually, what, Jesse, second uh, director probably did that. Yeah, assistant, assistant director. Probably. Uh, but Jesse, uh, we are, as we've been told after our, uh, I think it was the heavy metal episode in our, uh, review, we are a, considered a woke podcast. So we are officially canceled as a, as an official woke podcast. We are canceling King Kong lives. You are canceled Kong. As if we weren't already going to do that before we saw that scene. Absolutely. We were already planning that for for (laughs) years ago, years ago. I mean, it was, it was inevitable, 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 uh, one more time. Inevitable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want a sequel to Team America so bad. Uh, oh, well, that'll never uh, anyway. happen. It, yeah. Unfortunately, never. that was lightning. Not by them. That was a lightning strike. <laughs> yeah, but nobody else. That you know, we don't want anybody else to do it. <laughs> but uh, this was actually do, speaking. I mentioned before. You know, uh, in the beginning, in the beginning, at the end of King Kong '76, he he climbs and falls off the World Trade Center. Uh, they show they recap the end of that movie at the beginning of this movie. So technically, Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange are in this movie. Uh, parentheses archival footage. Uh, but this was due to be aired on TBS until 9/11, and it was then switched out with the Chevy Chase comedy Funny Farm. And get this, 
there was not one, but two official video games based on this film that were not only developed, but were also released, however, only in Japan by Konami. Uh, they were titled King Kong 2, Ikari no Megaton Punch for the Famicom, and King Kong 2, Yumigaru Densetsu for the MSX. The Famicom game totally disregarded, disregards the human aspect of the story, which is great, and players play as Kong, who has to travel around the globe fighting giant robots and certain military forces in order to save the female Kong, which the plot of that game is better than this entire mm -hmm. movie. They should have done that plot for this movie and had Kong fighting giant robots the whole time, and it would have been incredible. It would have been a classic. Mm. Uh, the MSX version, however, strangely, uh, you play from the perspective of a man, and it's a role-playing game. Wow. Guess which one of those I don't want to play. Mm. Uh, Score-wise, I give this movie a one. It is legit. I don't remember what I gave Garbage Pail Kids. Maybe it was a point. I think it was like a point five or even a negative. I don't remember. Maybe it was higher than this. I would rather watch this again than Garbage Pail Kids because Garbage Pail Kids is just so like annoying. Uh, but this movie is bad. It's it's legit bad. This is one. If you if you you know Bamcast King Kong lives. There you go. Requested again. Because uh, I gotta hear. I gotta make other people suffer through this movie <laughs> <laughs> to justify my feelings of it. But yeah, it is bad. Uh, only watch it if you're a, a completionist for you know the giant monster movies. Uh, is it worth watching once? Again, if you're a fan of the franchises, yes. Other than that, if you don't care about King Kong, don't watch this movie. If you're a Linda Hamilton fan, you got to see everything in her you know filmography. Well, then you kind of stuck. Uh, you got to watch it. However, it's not good. It's not even like kids wouldn't even like it. You know, it's not even. There's really nothing here except just a bad King Kong story. Let's be honest. So, skip it is my official recommendation. Uh, mm -hmm. In the real world, again, this released December 19th, 1986. On the same day, speaking of the Soviets, the, new, the, the old, you know, here comes the old bad guys, the new bad guys, same as the old bad guys. Uh, Soviet dissident Andrei Sakharov, a Soviet nuclear physicist, dissident, Nobel laureate, and activist for the disarmament, peace, and human rights is permitted to return to Moscow after six years of internal exile. Now, I chose mm. this because I don't know what any of that means, half of it, so we're all going to learn something today. Uh, and because, you know, they're you know, Fox News is spreading all this stuff about how the nukes are going to start flying soon and all that, like we're in the 60s again. Uh, so let's talk about it, because we're woke. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway uh, Sakharov became renowned as the designer of the Soviet's uh, RDS-37, a codename for, uh, a thermonuc for thermonuclear weapons. So he basically, he's kind of like the Soviet Oppenheimer. Uh, he later became an advocate of civil liberties and civil reforms in the Soviet Union, for which he state, faced state persecution. Uh, however, those efforts earned him the Nobel Peace Prize in 75, and he was arrested uh, just eight days before I was born on January 22nd, 1980, following public protests against the Soviet intervention in Afghanistan in 79, which we've seen the long-term repercussions of that, uh, and was sent to the city of Gorky, which is now Nancy Novgorod a city that was off limits to foreigners. And between 80 and 86, he was kept under Soviet police surveillance. In his memoirs, he mentioned that their apartment in Gorky was repeatedly subjected to searches and heists. And Sarkarov was named the 1980 Humanist of the Year by the American Humanist Association. So again, best way to describe this gentleman in a nutshell is the Soviet Oppenheimer. You know, worked on, the, on, nuke, on weapons of mass destruction, creating them, developing them, and realized, you know, my God, what have I done? And became an advocate after that for not using them and regretted creating them pretty much. But uh, 
around the same time, and I believe this was on another episode pretty recently because I remember talking about it as well, but this came out December 19th, 1986. Uh, seven days later, a week later, Kit Harrington, Jon Snow, was born. Uh, and on the same day, the Bride of Frankenstein herself, Elsa Lanchester, passed away. So, you know, I think I said it on that last episode from Sin City or whenever I mentioned it, you know, a, a, young, a young person lives, an old person dies. <laughs> you get it's something like that that's the quote but yeah anyway back to the future this week i was moving mm-hmm. so i haven't watched much however jesse i think i i think we might have meant, briefly talked last episode or maybe uh some other at some other point on facebook or something but i did start uh mythic quest the show with okay. uh, rob mcclehiney and all that and uh, i think we were talking i think you mentioned like it's kind of basically basically i got to the nazi episode and i don't think i've gotten to that, that one ep- that one is, I was like, this is, okay, now this is great. This is hilarious. And then the next episode, um, two episodes after that, I'm like, okay, this is, it. it's not a bad show. And, and my brother works in game development. So I see where some of that parody comes in, so to speak. And like, you know, mm-hmm. how that kind of works and all that. And, the whole, and all, all their observations on streamers is spot on. So <laughs> me being an old guy, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the. It's, uh, it's just, I don't know. I guess I have too high expectations when I see McElhaney and Day's name on something uh, because of Sonny. Uh, you know, but that Nazi episode was fantastic. <laughs> you have to, if you, if you haven't watched it's on Apple. Uh, you can watch it there. Yeah, it's, it's not bad, but it's, you know, I'm probably not going to watch. I'm, oh. I'll probably finish the season. I like it because it's, it's, you know, 20, 30 minute episodes. So you can watch a movie and then fit one in in a night, so to speak. Uh, I you know, prefer it's, their it's podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. The Always Sunny podcast. Uh, yeah, you know we've been around for ten plus years, and they've been around for like a month. And the drunk one was great. It just went up. Haven't got to that one yet. Oh, oh okay, God. just went up. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I, I, I look forward to every, and I've been watching the video. Like normally, I would just listen to them, but the, now that they're all video, yeah, you got to do video. It, it makes. Even though we don't do video anymore, I mean, you well, so we're not in a room jokes. anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah, if we were true. in the same room, oh man, that would inspire me to do something like that. Absolutely. Um, Who knows? When oh, I get yeah. to my house, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, Mythic Quest, it's fine. I like it. You know, it's it's again being such a just, you know being in love with those characters from Sunny and everything, pretty much, and that type of humor. You know, it, that kind of the, the the sunny kind of their writing style. It, it, it comes out every now and then in Mythic Quest, especially like I said in the Nazi episode. That's like that could have been a sunny episode almost. Uh, you know, the gang develops a video game kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's just it's it's I don't know. It's almost like for younger kids, I guess in a, in a sense. I don't know. It's it's not bad, but it's not great. The bar, yeah. like I said, it's like it's like season two of True Detective. I don't think it's bad. I like season two with True Detective, but you set the bar so high with the first season or the first thing you're comparing it to, you can't live up to it. It's impossible. Uh, but anyway, and then also uh, on when we did uh, Hear No Evil, See No Evil a couple weeks ago, a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, I should say. It was a few weeks ago, too. Uh, we you know we kind of spotlighted Richard Pryor in his career. There is an amazing, beautiful documentary called Richard Pryor Omythologic. Did check that out. I wish I would have watched it before we did the podcast, but I didn't become aware of it till after uh highly highly recommend the documentary very good very well told by his ex-wives people that knew him very very good and you know it, it's fantastic documentary highest possible recommendation if you like documentaries very well done I'm, I'm always searching for a good documentary uh 
and that's a it's a really good tribute and just the closing it, 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 it's I love documentaries that nail the landing and that documentary nails the landing so uh, I know you've been busy too, Jesse. Uh, not moving, of course, but uh, we were moving around a lot of equipment. I guess I could say as mm. a segue as to what you've been doing. But uh, anything you want to talk about? Anything? Anything cool recently for you? Uh, yeah, on YouTube we have the been doing these uh, music sessions called Fireside at the Jam. The Jam is uh, well, it's all there in the video. But um, yeah, aside <laughs> from that, let's see what else have I? Oh, I've signed up for netflix again so um been watch finally watched the first episode of squid game <laughs> gadging up on that it's fine i can't believe anybody thought that was real though <laughs> wait 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 i, I, I didn't like, people thought it was like real that's what? that's what Seriously? melissa kept hearing from her kids in school they all th- like oh, many of them thought, thought it was, it was real. real i'm like what part wow. of this 20 minute dramatic intro did you think yeah, yeah. it's or, not a documentary yeah it's not even shot well, like one well, hey, hey, it's south korean maybe it is a documentary about yeah. north korea i don't know that's just how life is over there <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah if you start like i like i personally i love squid game i would highly recommend it i think i think you like it once you finish it, it, it it's really well done uh i was on from the at, the at the first episode i was totally in and we binged it, you know, over the course of a couple of days, and I thought it was really well done. I watched this show called Murderville as well. Um, conceptually, it's very interesting. And is that the one? Why don't we kind of? Uh, uh, is that the one? With Will Arnett? Yeah, yeah. Where okay. one of the 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 star, the guest star, has no idea what the script is. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone else is going. You know, I just it's just improv basically. But they're they're yeah. brought in as a guest detective, and Will Arnett kind of just steers them along. But Genius! <laughs> it's a great idea. It's it's like um, I think it works better at probably like a stage show though, um, mm. because you get some weird cuts and weird. Uh, hmm, what's the word? Just just the tone, tonally speaking. Mm. But it's yeah. also kind of like an escape room. This is the part I didn't know about that is that they actually have to figure out who murdered this person. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I knew about it, but I haven't watched it yet. It's almost like a game show in that way, because at the end, they're like, all right, now you need to tell us who did it and why. And then they give their reason, and then the police chief comes out and tells them whether they got it right or wrong. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I that, thought that, that part not, was cool, that, too. That, makes it, that gives it even... So have you watched just a couple episodes? Or you kind of I watched them it, all. <laughs> I watched, okay. There's only six, but... So um, is, is it fun to like? Is it fun for you trying to figure it out? You know, is it, is it a good who done it? Oh yeah, for yeah. The viewer, it's it's that okay, too. Cool. Interesting. Because you're basically playing the game as well. You're looking at the scene, looking for the details, and at the end they actually go over it and show you the details that you may have missed and stuff like that. That's cool. That is yeah. really. Cool. I didn't realize it had that aspect to it. Yeah, so uh, it's almost like a game it. show, but except they don't shoot it like a game show. It's shot like a show. That's really really cool. I like that. Now I'm like. My height meter just jumped like three notches for it. But uh, one of the things I found so interesting or funny about it, from what I, and this, again, from what I've heard, uh, Sharon Stone's in an episode. Is that correct? Yeah. And from what I've heard is that she go, she purposefully like doesn't go. She basically doesn't yes and for the improv. <laughs> no, she, she just doesn't. answers. <laughs> and I, I, like when I heard that, I'm like, okay, a that's genius. 
B, like that makes you know, like I said, I, I knew about the show. I just haven't got around to watching uh, it yet. I'm still. Her episode, like, she's pretty they, stiff though. That's the only problem. Mm-hmm. Is like the people who did play along, like Conan O'Brien, is the first episode, and you know he's a funny dude. He knows how to play along. Um, yeah. That one's that one's. Pro, at the top of most people's list is that episode. Um, Kumail and um, the doctor. What's his name? Ken Jong? Uh, Dr. Kim? Yeah. yeah. So those two, they're comedians. But yeah. man, they break so much during this. And and it's kind of funny. Like Ken is like constantly just laughing at everything that's happening. <laughs> 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 because it's so ridiculous. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then... And then there's points where, you know, they have dead bodies in it. And, like, Will Arnett even gets in on, like, trying to make the dead bodies break. Because, you know, they're just people faking death. <laughs> <laughs> He's alive! He's alive! There's no murder! I saw the case! So they'll start, like, pinching their nipples and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't tell me anymore. Yeah, okay, yeah. Don't tell me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's good like i said I, I was aware of it and i got it confused with that other show you were that we talked about a couple weeks ago or something uh so yeah i'm gonna is it like hour-long episodes probably i imagine or uh probably not even that probably like 30 minutes perfect yeah I'm gonna start it tonight short which is why i was able to watch all of them mm, yeah that's the thing I th- the 30 minute show is a lost art now everything's yeah, gotta be an hour. three minutes like, for the first episode Perfect. Perfect. Chef's kiss. You mm-hmm. don't need to be an hour. You know, Marvel TV. Sh- well, some Marvel TV. Sh- the Netflix Marvel TV shows didn't need to be an hour. Long. <laughs> it's, got, that way. it's got a, a 6.9 on Netflix, but I imagine that's because a lot of people don't find joy in improv and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, mm-hmm. some people are like really ticks them off. <laughs> yeah. Some people just can't handle it. Yeah. They just don't like that. Oh, gee, that's your preference. That's fine. But come on, loosen up. Right, and it's based on a UK show as well. So, oh, okay. Well, uh, I gotta find the UK version then too, because yeah, usually when that happens, UK one's usually better. Right? Yeah. Usually, usually, not all the time. Yeah. Usually. I guess you won't know who. Um, you know, the if they have celebrities over there, it's like better be some ones I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the two on horn a little bit, we watch a lot of British shows, so. Uh, I might know a couple of. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm gonna know all of them. Although UK Pete might will probably know them all, obviously. But uh, I mean, I watched watch Taskmaster. Oh yeah, I checked out some of that too after we talked about it. It's hilarious. Yeah, there it is. Murder and Successville. That's the uh, BBC version. Much higher we rating. Got a way better title over here. Yeah, <laughs> just shorten it. <laughs> and it's, I was about to say too. Speaking of like length, like uh, you know, I got, last episode like I was. Uh, Talk about Power of the Dog and some of the other Best Picture you know stuff. Looking at the, I haven't been watching any other of the Best Picture nominees because every one of them movies of the of those movies is like two hours and forty minutes. The the Japanese uh, Drive My Car one, I think I think that's the name of it. It's like all, over three hour, almost three hours. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't even want to watch them anymore. I want to watch Nightmare Alley really bad because it's Del Toro. Uh, yeah. But like all the other ones, like and West Side Story because it's Spielberg. Don't get me wrong. But like I'm not gonna. I'm telling you now. I like to try to watch all of them just to see what you know what passes for a best picture nominee these days, and you know, there's, you know a lot of the time they're good. But aside from like Coda, they're all like, I'm like, okay, it's I just got Violet to bed at eight thirty. Let's watch, let's watch this. Two hours, fifty nine minutes. Like, oh my god, 
<laughs> and I'm at the age where like I don't like. I mean, I'm always like this. If I'm going to watch Lord of the Rings, I'm not going to watch half. You know, when I have to switch to you know, back in the day, we had to switch the tape. I'm watching the whole movie. You know, if I want to watch Titanic, which I never have, I always watch the second tape of that one back in the day because uh, that's where the good part starts. Both good parts, if you get what I mean. Wink, wink. Uh, you know, so it's I like to watch like I'm mean, think you know, when I watch a movie at home, I want to watch like a theater. Now, of course, Trey, you have that option. It's easy. Just like, no, that's, I like to watch it all at once. I like to, you know, watch the beginning. I like it to be fresh in my mind, not forget something by the end that connects it all. makes you go, whoa, what a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that kind of thing. So probably not going to watch all the Best Picture nominees this year, aside from uh, West Side Story and, uh, like I mentioned, uh, Nightmare Alley. So we'll see about that. But we did get a very awesome email from our good and old friend, Ben, the Tasmanian Devil Wyatt from Tasmania, Australia. And his or it, Ben just steals my heart every time he sends something in because he knows us so well. His first, his, the, the title of the email is, It's been a while by Stained. Uh, mm-hmm. So Ben goes on to say, hello, my favorite Woke Boy podcast. That's a teaser <laughs> for later in the email. It's been a long time since I wrote, and that's because I've been having vehicles at work that somehow don't have Bluetooth technology, so I've fallen way behind. So here's my feedback for the last 10 or so episodes. Wow. Uh, ben, never a problem. I always know you're there, my friend, so you know, don't ever worry about it. But as always, I appreciate you You know, spending your time listening to my ramblings and Jesse's attempts to bring me back on topic <laughs> over and over. <laughs> But he starts Babes in Toyland. I'm 37. I've never heard of this in my life. Wow. (laughs) Understandable. Uh, Santa Claus the movie. Haven't seen it, and it sounds rubbish. Do you guys have must-see movies every Christmas season? I always watch Ernest Says Christmas and the Christmas episode of the British comedy Bottom. Haven't heard of that second one. I watch Ernest Says Christmas every year. Uh, We watch My favorite Christmas movies. Yeah, absolutely. One and two. Uh, Ernest Says Christmas. Scrooge is my favorite holiday movie. Every year I watch that on Christmas Eve. Uh, that's kind of my personal, like I've always loved Scrooge and being Bill Murray. We've covered on the podcast. Bill Murray is amazing. Uh, I feel like I'm missing a, a gremlins lethal weapon, even though, you know, Oh, those are Christmas adjacent Die Hard. I always like to watch those around that time of year, but you know, in sp- terms of specific Christmas movies, Ernest Scrooge home alone. Those are like the main ones. I always, I always get in. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing one. Santa sleigh. I love that one with Goldberg. Cause it's so ridiculous. And, uh, speaking of Christmas episodes, the sunny, very sunny Christmas. Mm-hmm. Love that one. I watch that uh, all very, year very round. Good. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Oh, and, and Trading Places. Uh, that was the next movie we did. In my head, this was one of the Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor movies. Almost could have been. I think we even mentioned on the podcast when we were talking about how, or maybe the hear, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, how Pryor was kind of up for that role. So it almost could have been. Would have been better. It might have been. Maybe. I do like Gene Wilder more than Dan Aykroyd. But Eddie Murphy in the 80s is, you know, him and Richard Pryor. I mean, Pryor's better. Don't get me wrong, funnier. But, I mean, two different two different comedians. It's apples and oranges, even though they're, you know, both incredibly funny comedians. Uh, Twilight Zone, the movie. I checked out the tear at 20,000 feet bit, and it looks good. Might have to watch the whole thing. Trey, you tend to be to watch the footage of the real-life death, but I stopped myself just in time while watching it. Pew. Do what you got to do, man. It's rough. <laughs> Uh, heavy metal. Even without seeing this, I somehow knew that episode of South Park was spoofing it. That <laughs> <laughs> shows how iconic the uh, the artwork is on the cover. You know, a uh, notable Psycho Sid moment was when he trashed the barbershop and a can of foam launched into his face and covered him in foam. <laughs> he sent the YouTube thing. I, I got to watch it after this. Uh, and my top and his Ben's top ten films of 2021. If you're interested, which I'm always interested to hear what my friends have to say. 
uh, Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 thrice upon a time. Cried a few times. We finally got a happy ending for the series that I first watched in 96. Haven't seen it yet. Uh, I wanted to talk to you via message or whatever because I'm so confused about the order of like the movies after the series. So I'm going to need like the order I need to watch them in because Autumn's never seen them. We started watching the main uh, seri- uh, series, the original, you know, episodic series of Neon you know, Genesis because it was on, came back on Netflix. So I didn't have to break out my ancient DVD set to do it. Uh, so, yeah, but I'll send you a message on Facebook or if you hear this first, uh, let me know, like, the, the order after the show to watch the movies. Because uh, they have, like, I don't know. I don't. Even, it was just, like, one or two, I think. And now it might be, like, five or six. I don't know. I can't keep up. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is number two. I cried so many times during this. Watched it last night again with my parents. Still teared up at a couple of parts. Number three, The Suicide Squad. Hell yeah. Four, Shang-Chi. Eh, I like part of it. Uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines, number five. Very good movie. Speaking of Netflix, uh, Netflix original, I believe, was it was a very good movie, especially if you got kids. And, of course, I got a daughter, and the father-daughter relationship was kind of key to that movie, so it, it pushed my correct button. Mortal Kombat, absolutely. Ghostbusters Afterlife. He says the second best Ghostbusters movie after Ghostbusters 2. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, etc. Et mm. Ha! Wink, wink. I see what you did there, Ben. Uh, Night Tram, a movie about the guy and events leading up to the Port Arthur Massacre here in Tassie back in or Tassie back in 1996. I'll have to check that out. Uh, I like kind of real stuff like that. And if it's on your top 10, I'll definitely need to check it out. Uh, no number nine or 10 because nothing else really great. Worst movie of the year was Eternals. And the first half, I think, again, I, I gave my opinion on the podcast. I don't think it was the worst movie, but I definitely see why uh, people would think that for sure. Uh, he goes on because, again, he's catching up on 10 episodes. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Only seen it once in the last 20 or so years and still enjoyed it. Saw it loads at sleepovers. Same, same. True Beverly Hills. I think you made this one up. <laughs> Maybe time to hit the 90s because you're getting obscure now. We've talked about it. Uh, Last Dragon. Often it's mentioned in the same breath as No Retreat, No Surrender for some reason. So I'm like, uh, screw Last Dragon. It's not as good as No Retreat, so I won't ever see it. Maybe. <laughs> I do prefer, honestly, if, if I had a choice to watch the two, I don't know, actually, because I, I it's been a while since I've seen No Retreat, No Surrender. I mean, I, I've seen it more than Last Dragon, I think. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard for me to maybe a slight edge to no retreat, no surrender because of the Van Damme aspect. Mm. Uh, but I know that's like your favorite movie ever. So, you know, no, that's a yeah, something's gotta, wrong movie. That What's that? That's a something, something is wrong movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you see Ben post it, he's watching on Facebook. <laughs> Check in. Huh? Just, just, just say, Hey, you doing okay, bro. I'm here to talk. You know, <laughs> we all got those. I mean, honestly, I don't know what mine would be. I, I, I guess mine, it would, it would really just depend on my, like what, you know, I would probably w- watch a movie that was reflective of it, or I, I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a that's a really good question. Like I really couldn't think of one off. I really had to think about that like really hard. Like if I had to have one movie, like if you just need to restabilize, recenter your life, what do you watch? Hmm. the The first one that comes that just popped in my head was maybe The Princess Bride because it's kind of got everything. Mm-hmm little bit of everything in it you know and that's that's always one that puts us you know the end is so beautiful it just puts a smile on my face i don't know or maybe maybe three amigos even i don't know near to laugh again I'm, that, that I'm so usually more... gets me back is like laughter my my movie yeah, is a uh, basketball <laughs> 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 that recenters me <laughs> i'll have to think about it and I'll, I'll be back next week with a definitive answer but I'll, you know honestly first instinct is princess bride like it's just a, ever since I was a kid, I always loved it. And I used to have basketball um, on the hard drive of my phone. 
<laughs> so if I ever needed it. Anytime it was there for yeah. you. <laughs> Wouldn't even have to stream awesome. it. Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, actually, no, you know what? Honestly, that's a, that's a good point because, you know, movie, you, know, you got you know, all these different apps for movies. There's one movie that's been on my phone since I was able to get it on my phone that I've watched every time I travel because uh, I don't like flying. I'm just not, a, I don't, I, I'm, a, I'm a heights person. I don't like heights. Uh, mm. You know, I'll go up in a tall building and I'm not going to go peer over the edge and go, wow, look how high up we are. I'm not that type of person, <laughs> you know. And that's Mad Max Fury Road. So I guess, I guess, you know, it has, to me, it has to be between Fury Road and uh, Princess it, Bride. I guess it just really depends. One of those is probably definitely it. One's uh, so been around longer than the other. <laughs> yeah, that's just true, for sure. Uh, it goes on. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sorry. See, see No Evil, Hear No Evil. I can't remember at all. I recommend it. I still think it's really funny. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, I'm sure I've seen it, but I can't remember anything from it. I had part three on video and watched it a lot of times. Uh, that's the one I remember the least. I remember something about the amusement park at the end. I haven't gone back and watched it yet. Other bits and bobs. Uh, I watched the first season of Always Sunny years ago and hated it. Uh, I, understandable. Understandable. I beg you, you, know, you got to get through it, you know. I guess I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. I watched like the first three seasons or th- up to five or four and just like, I'm just kind of tired of it. But I, I like was watching it all in a day. The screaming and everything got to me, but I'm so glad I went back to it and started it over. And one of the greatest shows of all time, in my opinion, but Hey, different strokes for different folks. Uh, and then he goes on to say, uh, Trey, you said hot patootie was top three, one of my top three songs in Rocky horror. I listened to the soundtrack nonstop for a week recently after the Bamcast covered it. Good episode, by the way. Oh, wait, <laughs> He also says, I've quit the BAMCast, by the way. <laughs> yeah, BAMCast, don't cover. Don't cover King Kong, Liz. Not until you, you make up with Ben, Justin. You hear me? And that's the bottom line. Anyway, his Rocky Horror song ranking, number one, Time Warp. Number two, Sweet Transvestite. Number three, I'm Going Home. Number four, Touch a Touch a Touch Me. And number five, Hot Patootie. Not going to argue that because every song on that soundtrack is pretty amazing, in my opinion. So, uh uh, oh, okay. Okay, woke boys. I actually think Trey says things that aren't woke at all and straddles the line of things <laughs> I wouldn't want a recording of myself saying. <laughs> yeah, now, probably. I got a lot, Ben. When you said that, that was like a lightning bolt to my lightning, to quote Hook, just struck my brain. I'm like, wow, I better shut my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, but see, I'm, I'm kidding. But yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I get, uh, let me finish. I'm sorry. It was uh, by public opinion that we're woke. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's so not our fault. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying I disagree with some with his views on certain subjects, but I'd be afraid I'd be misinterpreted and get canceled for saying something thought to be crazy. Uh, absolutely, you know, uh, and that's you know that's what I try to whenever I say something that I don't understand or try to speak on something that I don't know, I tr- I, I I try my best. Do I succeed all the time? Probably not. Haven't got any hateful emails except saying that we're woke. So I guess maybe I'm doing it right. I don't know. <laughs> Email in. Let me know, people. Uh, but, you know, I try to I, – I think the, you know, cancel culture, woke culture, all this stuff, you know, there's so much, you know, in trying not to be hateful, there's a lot of hate there. Uh, let's be honest about it. Let's have a real talk about it. Uh, but people, again, I think the biggest thing in this world, when I say something – that may be wrong or misinterpreted. You know, misinterpretation is a big thing. You know, when I say I am not a hateful person at all, I try to do my best to be respectful to everybody, no matter anything about them, not even seeing them. You know, I've never seen, I don't think I've seen what UK Pete looks like. I don't know. His, I don't know his orientation. I don't know anything except he, you know, he, we've connected 
through him just listening to me talk. I don't need to know anything else. I mean, what I like to know, yes, absolutely. But, you know, it doesn't matter. But what I'm getting at is that, you know, a lot, a lot of the time when people say something that, you know, they, not everybody, because this, this, you know, there are people out there, believe me, hate and racism is well and alive all across the world. Unfortunately, even though, you know, we like to think, oh, those times have passed. Nah, they haven't. Sorry, they haven't. There, and there's a lot of work to be done. But uh, just remember, there's a difference. People just my, my plea to everybody listening, not that obviously <laughs> we have the people I'm talking about listening, if you get what I'm saying, uh, is, you know, understand some ignorance is OK. Remember that you can. But you can't fix stupid. If hmm. somebody's being stupid about an issue, you can't fix that. But there, you know, I am ignorant on a great deal of many of many, 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 many subjects. I try to educate myself as best I can about a, a, a diverse range of subjects so that I can be a better person, not for anybody. I don't want the, you know, this is, you know, Jesse, I mean, don't, please don't take a, I mean, this is my podcast. You know I mean? Like I, I put this together. Jesse's the one that does it with, you know, he does all the work. I just show, I'm the talent. You know, and I use that term very loosely. Believe me, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> By definition you know? only. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 You know, I mean, Jesse is the brains. I'm just the stream of consciousness talking voice. Uh, and is that the role that I'm suited for? I think so. You know, I mean, I you know the stuff he does. Could I do it? Yes. Could I do it as fast or efficiently or as good and know what I'm doing? Absolutely not. You know, and Jesse, you know, Jesse's a very. If you haven't seen his music or you know, go watch Red X, which is now basically ten years old on YouTube. You know, Je Jesse yeah. wrote that. He did all the music. He directed it, wrote it, all that stuff, pretty much. Uh, you know, I couldn't, you know, could I do something like that? I could do it. Would it be as good? No, we all have our talents. We all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses. That also applies to what we know. Nobody in this world, no matter what talking head channel they're on, knows everything about everything. And as a society, I think it's important that, you know, or just not even as a, just as a person, anybody listening to this, you know, if somebody says something that's ignorant, Remember, ignorance is good. You can correct it. That if somebody's, I am ignorant on so many things. We all are. Nobody knows everything. You can fix it. You can, you know, oh, actually, da 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 da. Explain it. You know, I love learning things. Like, like for example, uh, there's a lot of phrases that we don't use in society now because we've learned where they come from. For example, one that you know you'll hear a lot. I mean, and we talk about movies from a time gone by. Oh, I'm so nostalgic of the '80s. Well. You know, there's there's certain things to be nostalgic of. You know, if you're leaning on the right, you're very nostalgic for the Reagan years. Well, go research mm -hmm. it. You might not be so nostalgic anymore. But hey, Ronald Reagan was an amazing speaker. As a kid, I thought he was the greatest man that ever lived because I didn't know all the other stuff that was going on. You bought into uh, it. You know, edu <laughs> educate yourself, you know. And remember, you know, never meet your heroes either. You know, if you, if you idolize somebody, you probably, you know, keep them at all. You know, we're all human. People, again, I'm kind of scattered going all over the place because my mind goes a mile a minute sometimes. Because uh, I guess I'm going to burn out when I'm 50 and <laughs> just not be able to talk anymore. I don't know. But anyway, you know, as far as all that, you know, I, th I think the most important thing to try to sum up <laughs> as best as I can is, you know, just, you know, be patient with ignorance, educate ignorance, and don't waste your time with stupidity. But just remember that a lot of people, every oh, bottom line, everybody's ignorant on something. You know, if if I misspeak, like or for what I was getting out with the, the sayings, like for example, I didn't know 
I've heard it a lot of times in my life. Uh, still hear some people say, hey, I don't want to hear from the peanut gallery. Well, if you research what that means or where that comes from, that's just an expression you shouldn't use anymore. It's not good. Don't use it. It's not good. There's plenty of other things you could say. You know? You know, use some, just use some profanity. Profanity's always good. Just mm-hmm. throw some, just, I don't need to hear from those, you know, effing bees, whatever. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm censoring myself because in this new place, my daughter's wall is right next door. So oh. if you wondered where the F-bombs are, they're not in this episode uh, today. But uh, today. <laughs> so it's a PG episode, everybody. It's a wow. PG age visited. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, Ben, there, there are some things like, I'm, 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 like when uh, that when we got that review about it, I was like, "Oh crap! Did I say something?" Like I was worried, like uh, for the, for exactly what you were saying, you know. Uh, and you and also, you know, you can disagree. Any, anybody can disagree with anything I say, but hey, you know what? You know what's really awesome that can help everybody? Let's talk about it. Of course, I'm the one that's doing the talking. Y'all would be doing the writing in uh, and all that. Of course, oh, we always have guests on the podcast. You know, hey, well, Trey, hey, you, you did this for this. You know, I'm kind of I know a lot about this. I'd love to talk to you about. Oh, hey. Let's educate each other. Let's educate. Let's do what we can. Uh, I'm a firm believer. Now, of course, you know, we've had a lot of, you know, we're not the Joe Rogan podcast and we're not, you know, the sunny podcast, you know, but we have our little bit of humanity that listens to us. You know, there, there are people all over the world whose podcasts I listen to that, you know, are just like me, just like you. Uh, if you're listening, if you have a podcast, you, you know, and it, it doesn't matter if you get one or a hundred or a million listeners. I mean, it only matters to your bank account, but that's not, you know, that does, that's not the, that's not the key of everything. You know I mean? Like we said before, I mean, I like to do this because of the connections I've made across the globe. I know that if I hopefully one day end up in, in Tasmania, I can, I'll have a place, I'll have somebody to show me around. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to meet a friend that I've had for years face-to-face finally and you know on the other side it's already tomorrow he lives in the future <laughs> got friend you know i went to england uh london uh years ago before i knew uh, i'm pretty sure it was before I, uh, we had met ukp via the podcast you know i wish i i, I wish i would have known it then yeah i could have met i could have I, I have a i have friends over there we have a friend in guitar <laughs> you know if we ever end up a guitar <laughs> you know so it's really it's really you know that's 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 the reward at our level of podcasting you know, would it be great to get paid to do it? Sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but you know what? It's, it's it's really cool. And you know, the way things are in Australia and Tasmania on that side of the world is different from England. It's different from Qatar. It's different from where we started in Louisiana, where I moved to to California. It's going to be different here in Utah, where I'm at. You know, it's it's different everywhere. That's why we have to do our best with our friends and our family. To you know, if they're ignorant of something, just you know, try to help you know explain things. Do your best to be a good steward of information, uh, and, and actually not information because information is so convoluted. You know, be a good steward of humanity to the people you know, uh, and pass it on. You know, just and that that that's how racism and all the hor- you know warmongering, war, all these all these horrible things that exist in this world. I'm sorry, but let's be real. They're never going to be erased, but they can be reduced to the absolute bare minimum by just being good people. Just being, a, just being good to yourself. Be good to others. Be nice. Just be nice. Everybody just be nice. And the world will eventually get where it needs to as, as best, as good as it can be. <laughs> I believe that. If you don't, that's fine. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so, 
Dun, 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 dun. The more you know. Mm-hmm. That was the philosophical soapbox for the episode. Uh, and then Ben, uh, anyway, off the training at TCW. Love yous and talk soon. Hope so, Ben. Your friend, Ben slash Doomslayer. And if you've been watching TCW, Tasmanian Championship Wrestling, there's some new things happening for the Doomslayer. I'm excited. I'm excited to see. Yeah, Got to see his last match. I forget who he was fighting. Wrestling. Good match. But had a interesting ending there. So it's going to be f- interesting to see where the Doomslayer goes. It looked like it might have a, a little turn there. But uh, I, we would be remiss also uh, as we're on the subject of wrestling. Yesterday, we lost one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, in my opinion. Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, passed away. Uh, pretty unexpected. I mean, not unexpectedly when he was on life support, but hearing the news previously a few days before or whenever it was uh, this last week, this week, uh, when that he was on life support. Oh, oh what? Oh, no, no, no. Because uh, much like Jake the Snake is up with DDP, he was doing better. He was, you know, looked the best he's he looking forever. So it was really shocking to hear that. And as a kid in the, you know, he was wrestling in the 80s. But he, Razor Ramon was not till like 91, 92 in, in WWE, uh, WWF at the time. He was wrestling in the 80s and uh, had a brief stint in WCW and other smaller promotions. But when he came out as Razor Ramon, that was the definition of cool as a kid, I mean, you had your Bret Hart, you had Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, all these big names at the time. And then he would come out, the vest, the toothpick, hey, Chico, mm-hmm. throw that pick at the screen. I mean, who's my cheese? He was so, he was the coolest, you know, you had, you had the big names at the time, too. Don't get me wrong. But he, Razor Ramon and the Razor's Edge, still one of the coolest finishers of all time. And, and raise your hand if you've, if, you know, any any male who watched wrestling back then, raise your hand if you didn't give razor ed, razor edges on the trampoline or in the pool. We all did it. It was the most funnest finisher to do. Was, and you know, uh, and then of course the outside became the outsider edge. And uh, I'm trying to think. You know, a lot of like finishers get copied. Like what is the RKO? Except basically the uh, diamond cutter. You know that kind of the scorpion deathlock is the sharpshooter uh kind of thing but i don't I, offhand i think one wrestler other other wrestler did have it briefly in like maybe i don't know it seems like it was copied but then it was quickly like not used again uh but i mean you know hats off not wearing a hat but headset off you know remembering scott hall but and i'll and let's first of all no speaking of scott hall like here's my top three scott hall moments off the cuff because these are when I, when I heard about it this is exactly what i thought of the first thing i thought of uh, when he was, only, I was like, oh man, we might be losing, about to be losing Scott Hall. My first thought was of his Hall of Fame speech, which is amazing. One of the best Hall of Fame speeches, a lot of them are just, you know, okay, okay, way too long. They should have, they should have an orchestra at the Hall of Fame. Or they should like at least like have a spe- uh, somebody proofread their speech to make it maybe a little shorter. His was perfect. And his last line, you know, bad times in. But bad guys don't. I, I'm, mis- I'm misquoting it, but you know that's kind of what he says. It was so yeah. it was so perfect for him as you know for his bad character. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Yeah, Something so like I mean, so good, so be- like that was like you know that's the career. Like you know, Razor coming out the ladder match with Shawn Michaels at the time, one of the greatest matches of all time. I think it was at WrestleMania 10, or or maybe it was the the pay per view right before or right after. It was right around that time. Uh, amazing match and then him his selling of the stunner is still one of the best sells of that move ever i mean because the stunner if you don't sell it right 
it looks terrible. But if you sell the Stone Cold Stunner, it makes it work. You know, Linda McMahon, worst sell of, in all of history. <laughs> Rock would oversell it, you know, on purpose. But for the comedic value, it would be so devastating. It's like, uh, oh, I can't remember the wrestler who sold the, Scorpio, the, the Cobra from Santino. Where when the Cobra hit him, he like acted like he was dying and fell to the ground. Yeah. And I can't, I can't remember. Was it Tyson? Nah, I can't think. I can see the, I can see it happen, but I can't think of his name. But he was actually fired for selling it like that, which is which is ridiculous because that is one of the best sells of all time. <laughs> if you're gonna have a character who has that as a finisher and somebody sells it like that, and you fire the dude that sold it, mm-hmm. that what? I mean, why? It's the same way that Shane McMahon sells it too, like. The, really? Yeah, over the top, and he got fired too. <laughs> Probably not oh, for yeah. that though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shane O'Mac, here comes the money. Ugh. I, I never liked Shane, but I respected him uh, back in the day where he, you know, he was like, you know, the, oh, it's the son of Vince, and he's you know trying to do that, but you know, jumping off the Titan Tron, his you know, risking his life repeatedly. I got, yeah. he's got my respect as a wrestler. Uh, maybe not in the back end <laughs> booking, but uh. See, he does the big bounce too. Yeah, and but it's I think, uh, and the Rock sell, sells that stunner too. Like he he went for like flying out of the ring when he did. Yeah, yeah. The the no sell on a stunner is boring. You gotta sell yeah. it to make it interesting. No, that's a good one. For, again, sorry, we're not on video, but <laughs> right, right. We're just <laughs> watching wrestling sell. videos now. But yeah. <laughs> What else do you do when you're 40 years old? Yeah. <laughs> Linda's, Linda's is the worst. by well, like, right. One of the worst sales of all time. But yeah, Scott Hall, rest in peace. Like, and uh, Check out Kevin Nash's Instagram. Beautiful, heartfelt uh, thing that he wrote. And just you know, very sad because you know, Scott Hall seemed like he, was, he fought a, you know, addiction, alcohol, you know, a lot of things. There were actually storylines in WCW. But, or as you say... WCW, WCW, uh-huh. uh, one more for the good guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so very, you know, very. It's, it, we're all getting. I mean, again, this podcast is called '80s Revisited. Razor Ramon was in the '90s. He was, again, he was still wrestling in the '80s, but you know, we're at that age. You know, Piper, Piper's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andre, Macho, Ultimate Warrior, British Bulldog. You know, wrestlers don't have that high of a life expectancy anyway. But you know, like. Razor was like one of the 90s, you know, and it wasn't like from, you know, an overdose or anything like that, you know, uh, and it seemed like he was on the right track. And I think, you know, just, you know, really sad uh, period. It's sad when anybody dies, don't get me wrong. But, you know, this one, like I felt you know, this one was like, oh, man, like still remember, you know, coming out, you know, he come out with his hands out, you know, like just all his little promos like, hey, the bad guy is coming. It's like, who is this guy? Like, what? What? You know, great. You know, never, never, no world championships. Several intercontinental, if I remember correctly. I don't believe he ever had the world title, though, which is a shame. But you know, like yeah. like Brett says, you know, the, the intercontinental uh, at that at the time when he was in the WWF, the intercontinental title was the one that was given to the 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 one that the wrestlers respected that did the work. That was like, you're you're probably the best wrestler. You're just not good enough to be the that. Oh, my God, that's one of the best stunners ever, <laughs> right there. Sorry, I get visual joke on an audio podcast. I, I don't know what match it is. But it's it's Stone Cold versus The Rock, and they're on the announce table, and The Rock is gloating, and he so he picks up the camera from the camera guy, and he's like, "You want to see The Rock do this?" And then he pans to the crowd, and he pans back, First and Stone person. Cold staring right at him, 
double birds, stunner on the table. It is, it is, you know, the second best <laughs> after Halls. Uh, but I remember why I mean, that is one of the greatest moments in wrestling. That's that that moment right there because <laughs> that's that sell man. So yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, one thing you know, like my dad, for example, love him to death, but he he, he never got into wrestling. Uh, you know, which a lot of people don't. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, the thing is, you know, it's there's so many just beautiful stories from the world of wrestling. And one of them is Stone Cold and The Rock's relationship. And their last match, uh, just look at them on YouTube, uh, like, you know, The Rock talking about his last match with Stone Cold, because basically Stone Cold had to quit because of his neck, like, kind of stopped wrestling. And he put, the, you know, The Rock was already over, but he, like, basically passed the torch to him. Because, you know, it's like the Spartan mentality. If you come back on your shield or not at all, you know, when you, yeah. when you come into wrestling, you come out, you, you, you pop, you, you know, you, you're big on top, but you go out on your back. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's why, you know, Undertaker, you, know, you, you usually lose Ric Flair, you know, for example, you know, I love you. You, know, you lose your last match. That's the story you tell. You know, you give it your all. And that's that's kind of like that's the story of a wrestler. You know, <laughs> not the movie where you <laughs> you die, but, you know, you, you go out, you go out like that. And uh, that was uh, the Rock Stone Cold kind of. That they're like, they, I think they had three WrestleMania matches, if I remember correctly, was like, is what I'm trying to get at, or three like pay per view big matches. And their last one, you could see even after the match, they show like, you know, they usually try to ha- hide the uh, kayfabe stuff, but you see The Rock, like, you know, Stone Cold's on his back, and Rock's like, they're saying, like, thank you so much. I'll never forget what you did for me. I love you. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's that's the, that's the story you don't know, you know, that you, you kind of learn later when they're talking about it and all that. You know, so that's one thing like, re- like, you know, people are oh, wrestling. It's all fake. You know, well, the outcome is predetermined. And that's where the that's that's the only thing that's, you know, is that fake? No, because that's who wins. You know, they're not actually punching each other in the face. But talk to Ben about just running into the ropes. You know, yeah. say, oh, that'd be fun. Uh, go try it. Go try it. Go talk to Mick Foley on his good ear and see how that is. You know, nothing but respect for anybody that, you know, wants to be or is a wrestler. It's just it's a it's a hard life, you know. But it there's there's some amazing stories in there. Uh, on I think it's on I think they're all on YouTube. The dark side of the ring stories from Vice. Yeah, the darker stuff, obviously. But I mean, and the uh, actually I think we might have mentioned before, but the A and E series they had recently of biography. They did Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, Booker T, uh, Brett. I'm missing uh, Roddy Piper. I'm missing one other one. Ch- those were all amazing documentaries beautifully well done so good highly recommend those and of course the hbo if you have hbo max they have the andre the, the giant documentary on there super sad but nevertheless really good worth these stars so <laughs> yeah. again it's like you know pete like <laughs> they just fall out of the ring so important the cell is so important uh-huh uh, on these movies, because like you know, any any male and some females too. Don't get me wrong, because women's division's really good. Mm-hmm. It has some really good talent right now, I should say. Uh, but just like the male division, there's good and there's bad. But uh, any anybody that grew up in the '80s and '90s and had a trampoline, <laughs> you know that you know, this move doesn't really hurt, <laughs> right? But when you're out there on the trampoline, like there were times when me and my brother were on the trampoline, my parents were like, "Don't do that." Are you like thinking we were hurt? We would we would sell it to the point where our parents would be like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" Like, yeah, we're fine. We're, we're wrestling. <laughs> it's fine. We know what we're doing. 
Uh, oh, in, my in my God. Personal rela- <laughs> <laughs> my God. He's broken in half. Get some help out here. Uh, but like, you know, like, like, for example, Autumn, my wife, for those who are, don't know, you know, she, she knows re- about wrestlers. You know, she has a big crush on Kevin Nash. Uh, but, you know, she didn't watch it. Big six. You know, she, she was aware of, you know what I'm saying? But we grew up watching. We grew up doing these moves to our siblings and our friends. So, like, with Violet, I'm, like, pile driving and all this stuff with her on pad. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm not actually, like, doing it. But I sell it. I sell doing it while completely protecting her in every possible way. Don't get me wrong. Even my mom, even when she's when Autumn's watching, whoa, like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And then Autumn will come and try to, like, just, like, walk up behind me, like, ha, Stone Cold Stunner, and, like, nearly bust my face open. I'm like, I'm like, no, do not try to wrestle me. You, I, I have to I, let me do the move to you because you don't understand how to say, you know, the, re, the world of wrestling, as far as I know, you know, it's the person doing the move and the person receiving it have to work together so that nobody gets hurt. You know, talk to Bret Hart about it. Mm-hmm. Goldberg, the big Lutz, as Bret put it, you know, ended his career because he just, you know, good guy, horrible wrestler. Uh, you know, Chris Jericho talks about, uh, I talked about it too, like you know, certain moves where like you know, you have to you see the move going wrong, you have to protect the other person. I mean, just last the, Monday, uh, Biggie broke his neck on TV. Oh. Yeah, I saw that on a plug in another YouTube channel, WrestleMania. That's where mm. I got all my wrestling news from. <laughs> all my wrestling. Here it is. The, we're watching the worst sell of all time. Now, granted, it's the it's the owner's wife, so you got to be careful. But I mean, they could have rehearsed that she turned. <laughs> she turns it around to fall. Like, and hey, understandable. Again, sure. like, kind of like what I just said. Like, if if I'd ask Autumn to sell a move, it wouldn't happen because she doesn't understand. You know, there's nothing. And there's not. That's not sexist. There's. It's just you didn't watch wrestling. There's nothing gender about it. In this example, right. just to be clear with everybody, it's because you didn't grow up doing these moves on a trampoline and knowing how to do it, mm-hmm. whether you're giving it or receiving it. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter, people. <laughs> but uh, you know, so it, there's a symbiosis there between you know, opponents in a wrestling ring, you know, you got to hit your spot. You know, I don't know all the language. Ben can tell us more about that, you know, and more, give more insight on that. So, uh, you know, check out TCW. You ever see people doing it and all that. So anyway, that's your, that's wrestling talk podcast, uh, <laughs> for the week. So yeah, anyway, rest in peace, Scott Hall. You know, it's, 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 it's very sad, but I mean, we're all getting older, you know, we're at the age, especially, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> most likely we're in the same age group. We're very close. So, you know, we're at the age where, you know, our heroes from youth and our the icons of of the things we were interested in, they're at that age now. And granted, you could you know knock on wood, we can all die in five seconds or five fifty years. We don't know, but uh, nevertheless, it's always sad when somebody who was such a, a big part of your childhood uh, passes away. You know, just it, that really kind of you know it makes you it makes you sad for a variety of reasons. But you know, it, it really I guess for us, I mean, honestly, it's just like wow, we are you know we're all you know. We're all getting old, you know. We can't stop it. Just, I guess, it's more of a reminder just to enjoy it and remain, you know, you know, keep enjoying everything you're doing, you know. So, but uh, regardless, rest in peace, Scott Hall. Gonna miss you. I mean, of course, not that we can't go watch every match he's ever been in practically on WWE Network and everything, but you know, so watch a Scott Hall match today, and I recommend the Shawn Michaels Scott Hall ladder match from again. I'm pretty sure it was WrestleMania 10. Is uh, that the second one? Or maybe, maybe Survivor Series. Yeah, I just recently yeah, watched the second two. one. Um, yeah, good stuff. It's on YouTube. So check it out. Or if you got a, what is it? Peacock? I think Peacock has the network. Yeah. Whichever one it is. Yeah, it's Peacock. Uh, check it out on there. However you want to watch it. Just watch it. 
wrestling's always a fun time, uh, except the dark side of the ring stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, everybody, if you want to send an email, no matter how long or short it is, 80sRevisited at gmail.com, on Facebook, 80sRevisited podcast, on Instagram, 80s underscore revisited, because somebody has it with the apostrophe for some reason. Mm-hmm. That's not us. And uh, check out our friends again, Cajun Toy Review, Cajun Toy Review, excuse me, with John in Lafayette. And uh, screw the BAMcast till Ben's back on. <laughs> of course, I'm being facetious to the other hosts of that. Uh, but uh, of course, TCW, check out Tasmanian Championship Wrestling on the web, on YouTube. Check out Doom Slayer's channel on YouTube. Uh, fun quality content as far as I'm concerned. And not just because I know Ben. Oh, you know him, you're saying it. Well, I, if you're a fan of wrestling you, you know, and you watch somebody do something who loves wrestling, especially the wrestling that you like, you know, so don't give me like any kind of sycophant bull crap because it's not that. It's, it's I, I find it very enjoyable, personally, whether I know Ben or not. So, uh, you know, we always we're always going to pimp our friend stuff, but you know, if something's you know if something's bad. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's it's acquired taste. But uh, Cajun Toy Review really good. John's doing a great job, and Doom Slayer's killing it. He's doing a well. He's not killing. It, he's not winning that many matches. Come on, come on. We got Ben. How can <laughs> I help? How can I help the, the promotion see what they're what they're what they're squandering here? I say squandering, but I wink, winking. I think big things are coming. So that's why you gotta wait and see. That's the fun of wrestling. You never know. They know in the ring what's gonna happen, but they're telling a story in the ring, and if they tell it good, you don't know what's gonna happen till the bell rings. So that's what makes it that's what makes it fun and interesting. So uh, still got sequelitis next week, everybody. Oh, and don't forget. By the way, leave a review whether it's good or bad. If it's bad, all I ask is that you just say why and let's talk about it. So there's no excuse not to, except just to be an ass. Uh, anyway, next week, sequelitis continues with another symptom. This I got this weird green growth. And it's, oh my God, it's getting bigger. Uh, the return of Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing, a.k.a. Swamp Thing 2. Uh, next week here on 80s Revisited. And until then, hopefully, I remain Johnny Utah, a.k.a. Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Cowabunga!